0: Debbie Reber is the founder of Tilt and the host of the Tilt Parenting Podcast and a New York Times bestselling author, life coach, and speaker. Her most recent book is Doable, The Girl's Guide to Accomplishing Just About Anything. Before becoming a full-time writer, Debbie worked in children's television. Originally from the U.S., Debbie and her family moved to the Netherlands in 2013. I am so excited to share this interview with you. Debbie and I wanted to talk about her experience homeschooling her son, Asher. Asher is differently wired, as Debbie will tell us, and she'll explain what that means. And within his different wiring, he has many talents and gifts, and he's a truly amazing child. So she's going to talk about that. She's going to talk about the challenges of homeschooling a differently wired child and the advantages and what that's all been like doing it in a foreign country. She's also going to talk about the power of personal development for kids, how to get them started with personal development. She's going to talk about how to lean into your child's uniqueness rather than trying to fight it or fix it. And she's going to talk about the steps to creating an impenetrable bond with your child who is differently wired than you. I have to say, I really, really loved this episode. I had so much fun talking with Debbie and just hearing her story and hearing how amazing her relationship is with Asher and what a great kitty is and the amazing, really cool things that they're doing together. So I know you're going to love this episode if you're looking for just a different way to work with your child on different projects and even getting through homework, or if you have a differently wired child and you're looking for some really powerful, powerful resources that can help you through the advantages and the challenges that come with that territory. So let's dive in with Debbie Reber. Debbie Reber, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I have to thank you for reaching out because you reached out to me about your experiences in parenting and your experiences in writing. And at a time when I actually had a lot of people approaching me and I was kind of weeding through and I saw yours and I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to connect with Debbie and we have to do this. And you're in the Netherlands. So I was a little worried we wouldn't be able to book a time, but it all worked out.
1: Modern technology. I know. It's amazing. I
0: know. (laughs) I was like, are we going to have to do this in the middle of the night for one of us? So it it worked out. So we're doing it. It's 8 p.m. for you and it's 11 a.m. for me. So it's all good. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) So tell us a little more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio.
1: Well, this is always a tricky question for me to answer, but I'm an author. That's one way that I identify myself. I've been writing books. My first kind of adult book came out in 2002. So a long time before that, I had written some books for Blue's Clues, which is part of my past life is working in kids' television. So I don't really count that in the same category as the other books I've written. So I've written books. My first book was about running for women. I've been running for many, many years. But since that first book, my heart and interest was really surrounding teen girls. So I spent almost 15 years doing work in the girl advocacy space, pro-social kind of confidence building nonfiction books for girls and working with a lot of girls organizations, the Girl Scouts and Girls Inc. and and that kind of thing. So that's one piece of what I do. And another piece, because I've written for so many years, and as part of my work with girls, I became a certified life coach thinking I want to coach girls and found out that I actually didn't like coaching girls (laughs) one-on-one, but... (laughs) which was good to know. But I use those tools in my personal life all the time. And I also was always supporting other writers and helping writers who had a book they wanted to traditionally publish. So I kind of merged those two worlds. And that has been what I've been doing for a couple years as well as kind of a business is coaching writers who want to traditionally publish. So that's another piece of my professional life. (laughs) It's so fun. It's like, it's the kind of work that I don't have to think about I'm in the flow when I'm doing it. And that's so ideal. So that's another piece. And then I launched this new initiative and podcast and online community called tilt, which is aimed at supporting parents who raise differently wired kids. So those are kind of all pieces of my professional life. And then my personal life, as you said, I moved to the Netherlands, or I live in the Netherlands, I moved here three years ago, with my husband and my son who just turned 12. And we actually have really enjoyed we moved here to kind of travel and explore and then we didn't realize how good this change was going to be for our family. So I began homeschooling my son when we moved here. We travel a lot. And now kind of all my worlds are colliding my professional and personal worlds are colliding but in a really great way.
0: Oh, that's so cool. And when I decide to write a book, which has been on the back burner for many years now. And it's now it's like the book is changing. It was going to be a book about women in fitness. And now it's going to be, I think, more about women and motherhood. But I'm going to reach out to you and let you know what I'm please to do. do that. Please do. It's really some of my most favorite work to do. Absolutely.
1: Oh, so cool.
0: So tell us about your son Asher and what makes him amazing. Because I know your work was really centered around him in many ways or inspired by him at the very least.
1: Yes. Well he is as I define it or the word I use is differently wired. So he has always been a very intense, unusual person in a way that was kind of turning heads when he was, you know, was under 2 because of the bigness of his tantrums or, you know, he was always very precocious and speaking in these complicated sentences when he was really little. Wow. He's always just been this kind of quirky, interesting kid. And we also really struggled to find a fit for him school-wise. We kind of went through a lot of options and over time discovered that he is neurologically atypical in that he has ADHD, he is profoundly gifted, and he has Asperger's. So he's like a a little combo platter of some interesting atypical goodies. And that has been part of, it's just who he is. So to answer the question, what makes him amazing is that it's just been fascinating to see him kind of step into he knows, you know, he knows everything about who he is and how he's wired. And to kind of watch him evolve and see him become this kind of joyful, really empathetic, tuned in, self-aware person, he is just Absolutely fascinating. There's no one he'd rather spend time with. He has a great sense of humor. He's super philosophical. He's just a really interesting kid.
0: I was over on your website, and which I would recommend all of our listeners go over and check out her to the Tilt website, which we'll have linked up in the show notes here at shamelessmom.com if you go over to episode 82. And I was noticing how he's engaged in the website and in a lot of the writing, it's like a conversation between the two of you and things that you guys have come up and created together. And I was just blown away. And it looks so cool. And he looks like such a fun kid. Like I was like, I want to hang out with him.
1: Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. I, people who like him, you know, one of my closest friends here, she likes to take him to lunch just because she likes to hang out and talk with him because yeah. he's so interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: So share with us your journey as a writer and a mother and how those two roles converged in Tilt.
1: Well, I always kept them or tried to keep them separate. I think that, I don't know, I was, I'm kind of a control freak. And I was like, okay, I have this part of my life and then there's this part and I can manage them both separately and there will be no problem, you know? And when Asher was actually, born, just born. I was on a deadline. I did a series of books for Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. And I had a book due two months after he was born. And I, you know, (laughs) I remember nursing him and editing at the same time. And so I've always tried to, you know, my writing life has been very important to me. So I kind of kept it very as these two very separate buckets. And over the years, as Asher's, you know, needs became more apparent and, you know, I realized we were going down this different path where he needed more from me personally and in terms of even my being available to take him to therapy appointments and all these kinds of things. I was feeling really pulled and feeling like, you know, I used to, my good friend in New York is a educational psychologist and she specializes with little kids. And she used to say to me, Debbie, I think being Asher's mom is more tied to your work than you could ever imagine. I think it's all supposed to be this way. yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I, I'm building this brand and I'm working with teen girl. You know, I really struggled to see how that would work. It felt like, you know, my work or all the time that I had to set aside to support Asher was taking away from my other writing life. And that was really hard for me to figure out and to kind of come to terms with But I always, you know, I, I've had an agent since 2002. She's kind of an old school agent in New York who I absolutely adore. I knew her before Asher was even in the picture and she's watched our whole journey. And she would always say, Debbie, you're going to write about this someday. You know, this is part of your work. And so when we moved here to the Netherlands in 2013, I knew things were going to have to change. And I kind of felt deeply within me that, there was a big shift happening that it was time to kind of fully go in, not only, you know, as homeschooling Asher being, you know, as homeschooling teacher and dedicating that time to our relationship and to giving him what he needs, but also to kind of make a shift in my work. I don't have a teen girl. I have a differently wired son. And I just kind of was like, okay, it's time to it's time to shift and put all my energy into this. And so I kind of formally made that decision. I did have my last book for teen girls came out in 2015. I was already writing that when I moved here, but I kind of knew that was my last book in that space. And so I am working on a book now about, you know, four parents of differently wired kids. And I also knew I needed to do more. So I started thinking about Tilt about a year and a half ago and thinking about how can I create something for parents like me, like what I needed but didn't have available to me when Asher was younger.
0: Right. I love that. And I think that I so relate to your identity being really wrapped up in your profession as a mom and trying to keep that really separate because your professional identity, especially as a writer, I would imagine is such a big piece of who you are and something that you take so much pride in that when you have a child, I can see where you would want to keep that very separate and really cling to that because it was essentially like writing was your baby before you had a baby. It's a mm-hmm. really, it's a that's a very personal profession. And so that makes a lot of sense that you would cling to that for quite some time. But I can also see, and I know that I so have this happening with me right now, is the deeper you get into motherhood and your own personal journey in motherhood, as that evolves, it's almost inevitable that your professional life starts to evolve in some way. And so, you know, for some moms, it's that they decide to stay at home or for other moms, it's that they decide to go back to school and pursue a new career. I mean, it happens in tons of different ways. But I think that it's just part of like the evolution in motherhood as your identity starts to shift as a mom.
1: You know what I love about that, though? I was one of those people I've always, you know, from the time I got out of college, I've had a career that I've loved. I used to work, as I said, in kids' television and producing documentaries for UNICEF. And I, I always had these amazing jobs, which I loved. And I always had side gigs. I always had other things that I had to be doing at night. And I used to envy my friends who felt 100% fulfilled by their work because I was exhausted, you know, I, you know, (laughs) because I always had these two things. And I used to say when all through my 20s and my 30s, when is it going to be merged? When is this all going to be together? And who knew that, you know, having a very challenging child come into your life would be kind of the ticket to like bringing you exactly what you want to create with your life and career. And it's a really great place to be. I'm so grateful that finally, you know, I'm in my late 40s, and it's finally come together. It's clicked. (laughs) It's clicked, yes.
0: (laughs) And tell us about, I have not heard, and maybe this is ignorance on my part, I have not heard the term differently wired. And is that something that you came up with? Or is that a common term? Because I love it.
1: Well, I believe I've come up with it, but I can't, I I can't (laughs) say for sure. But I'm trying to spread it widely. And I love it. Yeah. You know, a big part of what I'm trying to do through TILT and through my work and being Asher's parent is to help people see that people who are neurologically atypical, that they don't have a deficit, there's nothing wrong with them. You know, the language around atypical ways of being is negative for yeah. the most part, yeah. disorder, deficit, you know, and I Don't see it that way. I see it as a difference. You know, at a time when one in five kids is moving through the world in some different way, whether they have a learning or attention issue, or they're highly gifted, or they're on the autism spectrum, or whatever it is, those people are not, don't deserve to be marginalized. They are the new normal. This is all part of who we are. And so I'm Trying to change the way differences talked about, and yeah, so I use Differently Wired, and all of my guests on my podcast now use it, and so hopefully it's spreading. But I've oh, gotten great it. responses, like you said, uh, so many parents, it connects with them, it helps them feel, it just changes the whole way you feel
0: about what's going on with your child. Right, right. Yes, I definitely agree. I think it really takes away that, like you said, the feeling of deficit or the feeling of like, I mean, which is very clear, I think, in Asher's case that like, he's not coming from a disadvantage. It's just a a different point of view or a different perspective or a different way to, to learn and a different way to contribute.
2: How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at Aruba.com.
1: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Together we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: So you're currently homeschooling Asher in the Netherlands. What led to that decision and what are the advantages and challenges that come with it?
1: Well, when we moved here, I remember I have a trusted advisor. She was kind of my Asher advisor back when I lived in Seattle, which is where we moved here from. And I remember calling her up and saying, hey, this job looks like it's come through. I've already been calling international schools in the Netherlands, and I'm going to see what I can find. And she took me to lunch. She said, Debbie, listen, if you have tried three schools in Seattle, which has got tons of amazing options for schools, and you haven't found a good fit and this is someone who was the assistant head of school at one of the schools where he went. She knows him very well. Okay. She's like, This is not a child who needs to be tried to shove, you know, who needs to be shoved into a system that wasn't designed for him. This is a child who needs to be homeschooled. And she had mentioned homeschooling what maybe a year earlier, and I was not open to the idea. I was like, there's no way in hell I'm gonna homeschool my child. But when she brought it up again and she said, listen, You're making a big change. It's the perfect time. I was like, okay, all right, uh, all right, I'll think about (laughs) it. (laughs) But, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I knew she was right. You know, I knew the transition here was going to be challenging enough without putting Asher in a school where he would be having to learn Dutch simultaneously or in a kind of a international school, which the British school here, which could be very rigid and Asher does not work well in rigid (laughs) situations. And so I just said, you know what, let's try it. So we made the decision. We just started our fourth year, which blows my mind. But the first year was pretty horrible. I will be honest about that. (laughs) It was very challenging because, you know, I had my ideas of what it was going to go like. And Asher was not happy about us moving here in the first place. And then just that adjustment was really Mm -hmm. difficult. But we have figured it out together. And he is absolutely thriving right now. To watch him kind of blossom and become this really confident learner has been amazing. He doesn't identify as the bad kid anymore. He doesn't get kicked out of the classroom anymore. Sometimes I say, why don't you go chill out for a few minutes? But you know, it's a different thing. So and to answer your question about the advantages and challenges, I would say, you know, the advantages are incredible. We can go on field trips when we need to, we can do a pajama day if we need to. If Asher is getting really involved in a project, I can say, you know what, why don't you just go with it? We don't have to switch gears. You can work on math tomorrow. So just the flexibility and being able to support him in the way that he learns, or he's also a person who needs to move his body a lot. And so, you know, he needs to run around like a mad person while he's working on a writing project. I have no problem with that. So just the way that he needs to be his awesome creative self, I can accommodate that. It's not an issue. And if he's having a hard time, I'll say, let's go for a quick run in the park and we can do that. So that flexibility has been incredible. I would say the biggest disadvantage is that there are are not a lot of homeschoolers here. It's uh, something that Dutch government is not really that into. We are doing it legally, but they make it challenging for people to get permission to homeschool. And so there's not a big community here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has really good friends who, you know, come over and have sleepovers. And he had a friend over after school today. And, you know, he gets that, but he still doesn't get kind of the the bigger group dynamic, social dynamic. And I know he misses that. He misses going to recess with a group of kids and right. that kind of thing. Right. So. That's the biggest disadvantage, but I think the benefits far outweigh.
0: Was it a big challenge for you professionally? Or I guess, I mean, you knew you were going to be making a really big professional transition when you moved over there. But when you take on, I've my sense of homeschooling is just that it's such a huge responsibility. Did you feel conflicted in terms of like being able to pursue your own professional, you know, stay on top of writing, and even if it was just for leisure, rather than something super formal, although you had a book come out in 2015. So it couldn't have been that leisurely, but stay (laughs) on top of your writing in that passion and also provide school structure for your child. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's been very
0: challenging. I'm
1: one of those people who's uber organized I color code things. I am super productive. My last book was called Doable, how to, and it's for how to accomplish things and get things done. So I'm really good at being able to juggle lots of things. I know that's one of my strengths, and it helps me be able yeah, to do what I yeah. do. I've really, you know, it's been a learning process. My husband, for Christmas, the first year we were here, he gave me a gift certificate for one day a month of substitute teaching by him. And so... <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was nice. I learned that I need to go away periodically. Usually every three months, I'll go away by myself for a weekend, you know, okay. just it's either a solo retreat somewhere or whatever. And now that Asher is getting older, I can go work at a cafe for a few hours after school and, you know, we'll communicate via Skype. So I've, I've gotten really good at carving out my time, but I, I would say it hasn't been easy. The first year or two, were really difficult because I never felt like I had enough time. And, yeah. you know, I worked full time by myself, you know, from home. So I had, and I'm also an introvert. So I would, I used to be alone all day, <laughs> every day, and I loved it. Yeah. And I'm never alone anymore. And that was a big adjustment too. So we have figured it out. My husband is super supportive of what I do. He's my biggest fan. And I mean he loves the work I do with Asher, but he also is fine with me on Saturday and Sunday saying, Hey, that was fun seeing you guys for lunch. I'll be back in five (laughs) hours and I leave the house. So I kind of carve out the time that I need. But I would say that first year I did feel almost a little resentful, you know, that I was having to sacrifice so much, but the payoff again has been
0: worth it. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally makes sense that you would have those conflicting emotions and, you know, that feeling of resentment when you're used to having, especially being an introvert and you're used to having all that time to yourself. I can totally understand how that would feel really huge and overwhelming.
1: (laughs) Yes. Having, I mean, Asher's energy is big, you know, so it's not like, he's you know, it's a lot of... uh, (laughs) He's very present, I'll just say.
2: So
0: So I love that Tilt is not just yours. It's also Asher's, and you guys do work there together. So share how the two of you work together on the site and the impact of your working relationship.
1: Well, I knew when I started developing Tilt that I had to involve him because – well, he's the impetus for it. He's what inspired it. And I knew I'd be writing about him and talking about him. And so I wanted to loop him in from the beginning and make sure that he was comfortable with me kind of talking openly about the hard stuff, too. You know, we're in such a great place now. But a couple years ago, things were not so great. And they were really intense for all of us. And so I kind of you know, all along talked with him about these are the things I'm going to talk about. It's really important that parents feel that they're not alone. So we need to address these things. And he's totally, he gets it. So he's been very supportive. And so when I was developing Tilt, he was really involved in helping me come up with a name. We would like go on runs together and I'd be like, okay, so these are the ones I'm playing with now. And he'd be like, mm, no, nope, negative connotation. Mm, nope. Don't like that one either. Like he was very vocal and I'm glad I listened to him.
0: What so a great filter kind of, for you. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. Totally great. You know, his insights are great and I want him to feel really good about all of this. So I've treated him like a creative partner in terms of the content and he helped me, you know, troubleshoot some of my website issues cuz he's much better on the computer than i am. So and cool. and i'm pretty good, but he's yeah, he fixed a few things for me, but i also asked him if he would want to be a regular guest on the podcast and he was totally down for that. And so we started cuz he and i get into long conversations all the time and i thought i bet parents, you know, cuz he's so articulate and is so able to express what it feels like to get really distracted. Like what is happening actually in your brain when you get distracted from a task you're doing and the fact that he can express that, I thought that could be really useful for parents who are dealing with these issues. So that's what it started as. So every third episode is, you know, he calls them the Asher specials, but they're basically conversations between the two of us about an issue and you know, the feedback I've been getting from parents is that they're co-listening to those episodes with their kids. And I didn't expect that. But so he's been getting really great feedback from kids who finally, you know, they hear someone who sounds just like them. Or in fact, I got an email from one mom who said she listened to an episode with her son. And her son was like, I don't remember having that conversation. Like, is that me? Oh my like, gosh. it was yeah. <laughs> So he's relating to kids, which has been cool. And we've done a few episodes where he's answered kids questions about like his social life and things like that. So those are,
0: that is so cool.
1: It's been really fun. And I will say the episode that we are working on now, I'm so excited about because we're going to really talk about what it was like, how he feels about his diagnoses and the labels associated with them. That is a Big discussion in the community of parents with differently wired kids. How much do we tell our kids? I don't want them to feel bad about themselves. What about the stigmas? All of this. And he feels so passionate about the fact that, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. That's what he believes and he knows it to be true. And he really wants other kids to feel as proud of who they are and as confident of who they are as he does. And he also wants parents to recognize how awesome their kids are. So he takes that responsibility very seriously. And, you know, I wouldn't say that he's got his own projects. Tilt is not his number one project. He's (laughs) doing a book, like a fan story for Kerbal Space Program, right? Like he's always got his own things. But he does feel this is a big responsibility for him. And he feels proud to be able to play that role
0: that is so cool and what a great thing for him as he forms you know his sense of self and going into his teen years and all that to be a part of something where he has this platform to talk about himself in this way and and also feel like he's helping other kids who might be living very similar experiences to him that's so yeah. so cool so tell us about personal development in kids because it sounds like you're doing a lot of this with Asher and I know specifically you two have worked on Miracle Mornings together. And I actually did a whole episode on how to create your own miracle morning. And I'll link to that in the show notes. But I'm I love Hal Elrod and the book Miracle Morning. And so tell us about what you and Asher have done with that and other ways that you use personal development with him.
1: Well I will say I'm kind of a personal development junkie. So I knew that was going to be part of our homeschooling and because, you know, he Asher doesn't naturally have a lot of executive functioning skills that would help him recognize how to do things for himself or take care of himself or set himself up for success. And again, I wrote the book on reaching goals. So there's a, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so I kind of, that's been the undercurrent of our homeschooling curriculum this whole time. So while we're doing the math and the science and the history and all of that stuff, I'm always looking for opportunities to help him learn more about who he is, how he thinks, how he operates in the world, and what he needs to overcome the things that get in his way. And because of his ADHD, you know, his ADHD, I would say, is the most pervasive of his, you know, diagnoses. Or that's the thing that really kind of causes him frustration and gets him tripped up. And so... We work on those things all the time. And because he, you know, the way that I've done it is by showing him lots of like TED Ed videos or, you know, watch, we watched Carol Dweck's TED Talk on mindset together. Then I printed out charts about the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And we put it on the wall and we have these long conversations about it. And he is so, because he's so, someone who's so interested in really anything, he gets very curious, and he wants to know more. And so once I introduce those concepts to him, I find ways to continually bring them up and reinforce them. So for example, he sat down today, he had some focus math to do and focus and math doesn't usually go in the same sentence when I'm talking (laughs) about Asher. But he, again, he's working on this personal project. And I said, if you if you're able to really focus on your core subjects today, you can have some extra time to work on your story. And he sat down and he just plowed through, did great work. He was listening to the soundtrack of Interstellar in the background. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, (laughs) but he came in, he's like, here you go. And I was like, and I just had, you know, I didn't say, Wow, great job. I said, how did you do that? What exactly happened? What do you think contributed to you being able to sit down and focus? And so he has to think about it. Well, I don't know. I think I just told myself that if I did, you know, he kind of explained his reasoning. I'm like, okay, that's good to know. Good to know that that can work as a motivator. Do you think we could replicate that? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, okay. So I try to help him make connections all the time yeah. so that he can start understanding what he needs to, you know, what he needs to be successful, what he needs to get unstuck. And the miracle morning Yeah, we read that a year ago. We started doing it in January of 2016. And, you know, here we are 11 months later, still doing it every day. And in fact, sometimes on a Sunday, he'll give himself the day off, which is fine. You know, I'm like, that's no problem. But if things don't go his way or he feels like he squandered his personal screen time or whatever, he'll say, oh, I didn't do the miracle morning today. Like he totally <laughs> blames that. So it has been, so it's actually been a great tool for us, I have so to say. Cool. And personally, I really love it too.
0: So just to get people familiar, the traditional miracle morning protocol that Hal Elrod sets forth in his book involves six different steps, which is reading, writing or journaling, meditation, movement or exercise, affirmations Visual- and visualizations. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so impressed that I remember them all. <laughs> that was good. So are you guys, is he doing all six of those steps then every morning? We do all of them. Yeah. We run, first of all, we run first
1: thing. He and I go out and do a 15 minute run. Okay. First thing, rain or shine. So that's our exercise. Then he meditates for a minute. I'm using air quotes when I say meditates, but he does lay quietly on his bed for a minute. I don't know what he's doing. Nice. We visualize together, we listen to music, a song together, and right now we're listening to a song from the We Bought a Zoo soundtrack by this Icelandic musician named Jansi. It's really cool. And then he has a little journal where he writes his intention and or affirmation. So he's journaling and affirming at the same time, and then he's reading constantly. So he's already probably read a book before I even... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have opened my eyes in the morning. So yeah, we do the whole thing. That's and so cool. Yeah, it's part of our routine now.
0: That is so great. And have you noticed in the time since he started doing it? Have you know, like he You said that he'll notice sometimes like, Oh, I didn't do it today. And it seems like he kind of can connect what happens if he doesn't do it. Have you noticed a shift in how he operates or how you guys operate together in your day since you've started practicing this?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's bonded us like, to lay next to your son while you're listening to this beautiful music and you're both imagining your ideal day or whatever mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. So uh-huh. personally it has connected us, but I, I do see a difference in terms of his, like, again, he has so much he wants to do. And one of his biggest frustrations is not moving forward as quickly as he wants to on all of his big ideas. And this has really helped him be more intentional and in control of his time and
0: energies, and I have noticed that for sure. Oh, I'm so impressed. I'm thinking, like, is it too young when my son is four to start a miracle? <laughs> I'm so inspired by this. We <laughs> can always introduce little <laughs> concepts for sure. Well, I do. I work out first thing in the morning, and sometimes he'll come down when I'm doing my workout, and I'll he'll want to work out with me, which sometimes is really cute, and sometimes it's really annoying. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> so, so what do you want to share with other moms about raising a differently wired child?
1: Wow. There's so much that I would want to say, but uh, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that to stop kind of fighting who they are. Cause I know I did for many years. I mean, I kept looking for, I wanted the diagnosis so I could have the steps. So I knew what to do. So I could fix this again. That's right. how I do things. I'm you know, I figure out the problem, I figure out the solution, boom. And, you know, I think so many of us do that, we fight what's going on, or we kind of fake accept it, you know, like we kind of like, yeah, no, I get it, or, you know, but it's really about fully leaning in. I talk about becoming fluent in your child's language. Mm. And it's a big investment, honestly, but it's the best investment you'll ever make. But if you're willing to really lean into who your child is and figure out how they see the world what they need how they are communicating all of their needs to you and become fluent in that and then do what you can to to set them up and help them feel secure through that then that is like the best gift you could give them and yourself and it it really will change everything for the whole family for you personally and then your when your energy shifts your child's energy shifts like it's just amazing transformation feel like you're the martyr in your family The other thing I would also say is that I would encourage people to get support. I am a huge advocate of getting help for everything, like anything I need help. Okay, there's got to be someone who can help me through this. So, <laughs> you know, when we moved here, I was, I was not in a good place. This transition here was really difficult, especially, you know, cohabitating with this really angry nine-year-old boy who thought we had ruined his life. And then I was stuck with him all day. (laughs) And I needed help. And so I reached out to a parenting coach who specializes in working with kids or with parents who have kids on the spectrum. And that woman saved my life. Like I would not have gotten through it without her. And at different times, we've reached out for different kind of help. And so I really encourage, I think a lot of moms, especially, but we're always looking to help our kids who are differently wired, like what kind of therapy do they need? What kind of tools do they need? But I would encourage moms and parents to get the kind of help that they need for themselves to, yes. you know, to prioritize that.
0: Yes. I have a friend who has a son who has some, who is similar to Asher in, in a few ways. And we had a conversation about that at one point where it was like, not just about getting services for the child, but- services for the parent, because especially Mm -hmm. it's the child being differently wired, you know, in terms of like, you know, within a traditional education system or whatever. But also, if you're coming from, you know, a parent who's traditionally wired and has done everything on a very linear path and a very, you know, just predictable path that is, it's the only thing that they know, that's really overwhelming. And really, it can be, I think, just pretty challenging, you know, overwhelming, challenging, frustrating, exhausting, like all these mm-hmm. things. And it's very consuming as I'm, sh- you know, as you've demonstrated just in in sharing your story. So tell us where you go to find hope and inspiration when motherhood feels overwhelming. It sounds like you've found some resources over there, but do you have like some go-to methods or tips that you can recommend?
1: Yeah. Again, I do have those few kind of trusted parent coaches that I go to when Mm -hmm. things get really hard and I'm kind of in crisis mode, but I am also somewhat of a, I said, I'm a personal growth junkie. I'm also like the queen of self-care. I have always been really vigilant and selfish really, or self-interested as (laughs) therapists would say about doing what I need to do. So running is one of my ways, you know, to kind of recharge myself. And I also, I mean, I guess for hope and inspiration, it's all about my girlfriends. You know, I have some girlfriends who help kind of lift me up and help me kind of see that there's hope in whatever's going on. And that has been a lifesaver for me. And then also nature. Like those are my, nature's kind of my church, I guess. And so just spending time alone in nature or with my girlfriends are, that's where I get the most... Yeah, most inspired and feel like I can feel hopeful about what's going on again.
0: Did you have, I'm assuming you had to find like, I mean, you probably have a network of girlfriends over here before you moved, but did you also find a new network of girlfriends over there?
1: I did. And that wasn't my intention. I mean,
0: (laughs) that that (laughs) sounds really strange. I have have enough friends. I'm good. Well, (laughs) I've kind of been in that situation where you're like, that's just (laughs) too much to take on right now. I do not need to add new friends to the list. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it's hard. You know, the yeah. older we get, it's, oh, yeah, it takes a like,
0: concerted effort. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, we moved here thinking this would be a couple of years that this will be our home base. We're really just going to travel. We're not going to dig roots. We're, you know, I don't need to recreate a whole life here. Well, of course I do. You know, that's <laughs> a stupid thing that I thought I was going to get away with. But, and I have, I've actually made incredible friends here. And, have found, you know, a really wonderful community of, you know, entrepreneur mamas, which has been really nice. I didn't have that so much in my network back in Seattle. So I've really connected here and it's been, it's been really rewarding and yes, you can make new friends (laughs) and
0: in middle age. (laughs) That's so great. That's awesome. What do you love most about being Asher's mom?
1: I think, you know, I said some of this a little bit earlier in the conversation, but when he was a younger guy, he was very, you know, I said he was very intense. He was not a joyful person. He was angry a lot of the time, like that was angry and frustrated were like the default emotions, and super self absorbed, like, like a lot of kids, but you know, I could be full on sobbing in front of him. And he would just come up and say, Can I watch TV now? Like, he, there was no, you know, right. connection there. This and I was connection. like, oh, my goodness, you know. So, And all of my personal values, you know, around empathy and, you know, compassion and all these things. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, my child doesn't have those values. And that was really difficult. I mean, I believed he didn't. Of course, that was all part of who he was. I just didn't know how to access it. And he didn't know how to express it. And so I think what I love most about being his mom is seeing kind of him blossom into this incredibly compassionate, empathetic human being. He's a total feminist, which I love and I take some credit for. (laughs) He is a big social, you know, justice advocate. He's just super engaged. He and I have talked about, we've been talking about politics every day for the past year. Like, I guess I would say that's what I love the most is he and I can talk about really complicated subjects. And he's got such insight to share. And he's so interested that, you know, my husband, I think, he'll listen to me blather on about these things (laughs) I care about, but Asher's really wants to go there. So we literally some days we have a morning meeting in school. And, you know, we always start with some current event and I'll share an article and next thing we know, an hour has gone by and we've like looked at 20 different websites and had this really existential conversation. So yeah, that's what I love the most. And I feel honored that I get to spend this time with him in that way. It's really
0: incredible. That is so cool. I want to send my four-year-old to your house for school, I think. You have to sign. There's a waiting list. So so cool. So tell us about the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into your legacy? Well, legacy, that is such a big word. I know. This is the question that freaks people out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess, you know, in everything that I've done and, you know, my work in writing for teens, you know, and all the work I've done, I've tried to be very transparent and open about my experience and vulnerable in everything that I share. And I know that that's part of what has helped me be successful in connecting with people through all of the work that I've done is because I am willing to to be uncomfortable. I am willing to kind of share what's real in my life in a way that inspires others. So I guess I would hope that that's what my legacy would be. Yeah is inspiring people to feel better about who they are and know that they're perfect the way that they are and there's no shame in being who they are that would be amazing if that's the legacy that I leave and to answer your question about how does being shameless play into it it is just that I really I really have no problem just kind of saying what's been hard here yeah. and you know it has been really hard and things are still really hard and you know, I have been open the whole time and talking about how I didn't want to accept what was going on with Asher or my many, many failures as his mother along the way. And I'm fine with that. You know, I, I really believe that part of being human is connecting, you know, or for me, the most important piece of being human is connecting with other people. And if we aren't willing to just kind of show up and be who we are, then that connection is never going to happen on a authentic level. And that's really what I'm interested in. So I think being shameless is part of how
0: I do everything. I love that. And I also love that you are a shameless advocate for (laughs) self-care. Yes, definitely. Oh my God. (laughs) I think that's, for so many people, that's a struggle. So I love it when, like, for me, it's not a struggle. And I don't know why. But, yeah. but I think it's so important. And especially when you have so much on time with your child, when you don't have, you know, you aren't able to escape and go to work and you aren't able, you know, he's right there with you. And so I think that that is just so essential. Absolutely. Uh, So I love everything that you had to say here, Debbie. I just so appreciate you spending the time to share your story and tell us about your journey with Asher and everything you're doing with Tilt. So can you tell us, we're going to go into our lightning round in just a minute, but can you tell us where we can find you before we move on? Sure. And
1: it sounds like a game show. The lightning I man. know. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So best place to find out more about the work I'm up to is the tilt website is tiltparenting.com. And that's where the Tilt Parenting podcast lives. And there's a blog there as well. And I'm quite lengthy manifesto if you want to sit down and read it and see what we're all about and the vision that we have for parents like us. And the other site is my author site, and that's com, And that is where you can
0: find out about the books that I've written over the years. Cool. We will have all that linked up at the show notes over at shamelessmom.com if you go to episode 82. So let's go ahead and go into our shameless mommy minute, which is our lightning round to wrap this all up. So let's start with red wine or white wine. Rosé. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> what is the current book you're reading or the last one you read?
1: Well, I just finished reading Amy Schumer's memoir. and oh, I'm
0: starting it next week. I'm saving, oh, yeah. I'm saving it for my flight to... For Thanksgiving, so.
1: oh, perfect, perfect! But for Thanksgiving break, yeah. yes. And I just started reading *The Underground Railroad* by Colson Whitehead, so I needed something. I like to go vary my
0: genres wildly. So <laughs> nice. Those are yeah. yeah. Those are like very different. <laughs> yes. What's your favorite non-work related thing to do with time to yourself?
1: Nap is number one, and. Wander around a new city. We travel a lot. And if my guys are tired, I am like, oh, that's no problem. And I just leave and we'll wander around aimlessly for hours. Nothing better than that.
0: So cool. What's one morning ritual you can't live without?
1: Lying in bed and catching up on news on my iPhone. It's so lame, but (laughs) I need to do that every day. I enjoy the same.
0: (laughs) Who is your biggest inspiration?
1: This was hard for me to think about. I would say I have a friend who is also a mentor. Her name is Jess Weiner, and she has been a big in the girl confidence, women confidence movement for many years. And she has inspired me to really kind of step into my power and make what I want to have in my life happen. So I'll say Jess.
0: Very cool. And if you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why?
1: I would say the ability to have an extra hour in every day that's just for them.
3: Oh,
0: yes. That would be
3: so great.
1: <laughs> we, yes, don't to share with like our we don't have to share with our husbands.
0: We don't have to share with yeah, our kids. Yeah,
1: no, it's a no. In a, like, There's nothing that could get into that hour. Yeah. 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 There'd be like a barrier around
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> An hour <laughs> in a bubble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Awesome. I love it. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for spending time with us today on the Shameless Mom Academy. And I definitely want you to come back when your next book is ready. And we can talk about that because I think that we could go on and on talking about the experience that you're living right now and the direction you're going and how you can help so many other families and kids and how other families and kids can be inspired by Asher as well. So please come back again when you have that ready to go.
1: I would love that, Sarah. And thank you so much. I loved our conversation. This is so
0: fun. Oh, good. Thank you. We will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this episode was meaningful to you. And if you know anyone who has a differently wired child or anyone who might just be inspired by what Debbie shared today, please do share this episode out. Remember, you can share straight from our website. If you go to shamelessmom.com, this was episode 82. You can also share from our social media platforms over on Facebook and Instagram at the Shameless Mom Academy. So thank you for listening. Please come back and join us again. We do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, and if you go to shamelessmom.com, com forward slash review you can subscribe so you'll get our new episodes as soon as they're released and you can also leave us a review so remember our reviews are our ratings and they show itunes that we have lots of people listening and we people are loving our show and it helps more people get exposed to our show the more highly ranked we are so please please leave a review if this episode was meaningful to you or touched you in any way so again thank you for listening have a fantastic day and no matter what you do today make sure you do it shamelessly